Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to Final Fights, brought to you by Movies, Films, and Flicks. I am Mark Hoffmeyer, and joining me is a man who is currently spinning around in circles with two staplers, pretending that he's John Preston. It's Adam Hodgins. <laughs> I was going to do a bit, Mark. I was, I was going to do a bit where I did this whole episode with no emotion. Uh. Just like I'm... <laughs> but you're opening with two staplers. I was like, oh, it's so... I could... I could reach one stapler in my spinach right now, but I can't reach a second. But if I could, I would I would actually do it. And for the first time, then your intro would be 100% accurate. Uh, man, so I I really tried to keep a straight face on that. But as soon as I said it, the visual of you just spinning in circles with staplers made me pause and laugh. Right. I couldn't, exactly. I, it couldn't be fluid. I had I just – I mean, you, I guess you could be in a rolly chair spinning around. I, I am in a rolly chair right now. And you have two staplers spinning? Well, I have one. I have one in my hand, but I don't have my uh, second one. So I so close could do what you wanted me to do. I feel like I feel like I let you down, Mark. You're gonna love this, though. I got something good for us. So in over the over our our history of of podcasting, we've talked about what Lady Hawk yeah. and several other films. You and I have alter egos, and we're henchmen. You and I are henchmen, and probably about four or five of the the episodes we've done right. somewhere around there. Now, you and I were the, the 50 henchmen, two of the 50 henchmen in the beginning that get shot up by John Preston because he's using yes. he's using gun kata. But that with, was actually only two actors. <laughs> Those two, yeah. Probably the same three getting shot all over the place. No, if you listen to the director's commentary, it was two actors. They kept changing clothes and making them jump behind. Oh, that's amazing. I mean, they didn't have – the budget on this, from what I've read, the budget on this was so low. They didn't have enough to finish visual effect shots. Tate no, Diggs they couldn't like, show up much towards the end, so they, they had to kill him like off real quick. Putting, they were putting cameras on skateboards and just pushing them down hallways to do shots and stuff. Oh, it makes me so happy. I, but I think the industriousness shows in this film. It, it feels very epic at the end, but it's also very handmade, and I dig that. Hmm. Now, you and I are henchmen. Yes. And we're two of the kind of stormtrooper-looking henchmen. Actually, we have motorcycle helmets on for some reason. And we're driving 1990 Dodge Dynasty cars. That's right. And we, we're told to guard one of the, the, the rooms at the end, and two gun clips slide down the hallway. What if you and I just kicked one in each direction? So here's the thing. 
here's here's where I'm where I'm at, Mark. Yeah. In this moment where you and I are standing there and two gun clips come sliding in, our entire career has been guarding this like throne room, if you will. Yeah. Boring. Boring, but safe. No yeah. one's gonna get this far. We are. Yeah. I would just play dead. Yeah. I'm like this. If he's got this far, I'm not stopping him. Who do you think I? I'm just another guy. We're just another level of on a video game or another level of thugs to get through until you get to the boss. If this guy can get this far, he's going to get to the boss. So let's just play dead, sneak out the back after, you know, face cuttings happening and we'll go on and live our lives and, and with emotion this time. That's a great plan because these 50 men there, they have excellent angles on, on Christian Bale. Since this is MFF Final Fights, I guess we should explain this move. They, if you're listening to this, you've seen Equilibrium. Basically, it's people who, after the Third World War, are pushed to have no emotion, no art, no anything. Christian Bale starts having emotions. He likes a puppy. And then at the end, he goes and kills a guy who ends up having a bunch of art in his office and emotions. And then the world goes back to normal. Is that is that good? Yeah, that's about it. It's, it's essentially... Fahrenheit 451, yes. Brave New World in 1984, shoved together. With some Hong Kong gun, gun action. Yeah. Right. Now, I wanna, I'll read Gun Kata real quick. They talk about this in the beginning. Through analysis of thousands of recorded gunfights, the cleric has determined that the geometric distribution of antagonists in any gun battle is statistically predictable element. The Gun Kata treats the gun as a total weapon, each fluid position representing a maximum kill zone, inflicting maximum damage on the maximum number of opponents while keeping the defender clear of the statistically traditional trajectories of return fire. By the rote mastery of this art, your firing efficiency will rise by no less than 120%. The difference of a 63% increased lethal proficiency makes the master of the gun katas an adversary not to be taken lightly. Yeah. So when he gun katas these 50 henchmen in the beginning, they are, like you said, they've been bored for years. So they're, they're stressing. These are the same guys in Commando who miss what matrix with 6,000 bullets. They just, yeah. they they're shooting, but it's, he knows in his head that the, the angles he's spinning, he stops and does a backflip and lands almost in the exact same spot that he stopped and no one hits him. So he must know their training and where they're supposed to be shooting. Yeah. Can I say to you, when I first saw this movie in like 2004, I think it was, Mm-hmm. I remember thinking, I saw it in a small theater in Toronto. I remember thinking, that's an idea I haven't seen in a movie yet. As far as just like the the, the clerics, the way the gun the, the gunners shoot? Yeah, the gun kata, the whole idea of making the gun into a martial art. Like you've kind of seen a number of things. Um, you know, you, you try a couple of things different ways and you, and you go to a movie, you've kind of seen those stories played before. I remember this is the first time I saw that and I was like, even though this movie is kind of like a familiar beat, this is an interesting thing I haven't seen before. And I love, I love that. And I, people are going to kill me for saying this, but the director, Kurt Wimmer, he established this in his backyard. This is how he came up with it. And it's just kind of dorky enough to be perfect. Does that make right. sense? Like yep. it is dorky, but it's a ri- different enough from the familiar to make me really happy. Is that, exactly. yeah. I mean, I, listen, he kills 60 people in this final fight and it's like a four step final fight. So he kills these stormtroopers, and then he slices up eight guards and then he just destroys Brant. And then he has, you know, if you and I had a two handed thing where we like slapped hands every, like if we met, knew we, like our, our high five, like our, personalized handshake 
I feel like it would look a lot like the battle at the end. Yeah. <laughs> Between those Absolutely. two guys. Absolutely. And so here's the thing. Now, this is Final Fights. Yeah. So my question with, to you with this particular film, where does where do you think the final fight happens? Is it when he puts the white suit on? Is that when it starts? Is it the final, like, the final confrontation? Like, where does the final fight begin to you? I mean, I guess if we're going to talk about final fights, it's it has to be... The, the the battle at the end against Mc, McFadden, the Claire, yeah. uh, the counselor. So he does work his right. way through. He, he So he fights, let's see, I keep forgetting his name, DuPont. So at the end when he fights Angus McFadden, that is the final fight. Correct. Now, I will say, so he kills the stormtroopers, he kills the eight guys with swords, and then Brant is what I love. I love the killing of Brant because it's three three swipes and he's out. When I watched right. the movie on DVD, I did not expect that. I was like, because he leads up to it. Oh, I love this suit. I'm going to be in this suit for a long time. And he's, he's, he's so, such a good villain. He's so arrogant. And he's such a brat. And he's like, I can read your mind, man. I, you know, he, like, even like the, the bait and switch of like, oh, he's still alive and not in prison. Mm -hmm. That was a great moment. That was like a great reveal. And you, you hated him even more. And you thought, I thought that was going to be the big fight. Like, in Mortal Kombat, the video game, Goro was a bigger challenge than Shang Tsung. Yep. And so if you, you the big fight was Goro. If you got past that, then you'd beat Shang Tsung pretty easily. And I thought that was going to be what was happening here, that he was going to be the Goro of it all. That was going to be the, the big, big fight. And then the governor was going to be a, 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 just kind of a nothing fight. But that was it was switched. It was three swipes. And then the face slide was the perfect cherry on top of the cake for that. Oh, it just – it made me so – because – now, obviously, we had Indiana Jones, and but that was just a random swordsman. Mm -hmm. I had not seen, like you said, a Goro being wiped out so quickly in film. As right. Have you? Is there? I mean, I, I'm sure if we did research on this, and we might cover another one in a final fight, but he went down quick. Fast. Now, my issue, though, there is... Was, there was in Digstown. Did you ever see Digstown? I have not. Mark, you're I, a we, boxer. I think we've had this conversation before. Right. So, anyways, in Digstown... <laughs> Louis Casa Jr. Yep. has to fight 10 guys in one day, a 24-hour period. And so the second-to-last bad guy comes on and is the only guy who's ever beat him. And he's like this big, scary murderer. And he comes in the thing, and then um, uh, James Woods just gives him the thumbs down, and he takes a dive. Huh. And it's kind of like that Goro is just takes a dive and we're right on to the next one. So that would be the only other time I can think about it. I wish the Goro fight in Mortal Kombat was the final fight because that's a weird one as well. Yeah. It is. I've always felt bad that in Mortal Kombat Annihilation, Johnny Cage died right away. Yeah. After what I love the way he did the Goro, and he beat Scorpion. Yeah. No, he was my favorite person in the first movie. He just nutshot a Goro. But I. So after all this excitement, right? We get Brant dropping like he's nothing. We have the swordsman getting wiped out. The guns, the flips. Then he basically goes into a slap fight. With Angus McFadden, who plays DuPont, in this. Mm -hmm. So, was this final fight a kind of a letdown for you? Or did you enjoy the hand fighting? I, I enjoyed the hand fighting. I enjoyed the bullet grazing the neck. I enjoyed the, like... I, I, to, again, when I saw this movie, every movie was trying to be The Matrix, right? Yeah. But this was different enough, too, that I was like, oh, it's something I haven't seen. And, again, and it's such a, it's such a, like, a dystopian, like... Uh, like trope the whole movie mm -hmm. but then when he puts his white suit on at the end it shifts gears mm -hmm. 
and it really becomes just a beautiful piece of work for the eye. And it's just like, it's engaging. So when he got to that slap, the slap fight at the end, I was on board. I was just like, what? And there had been enough surprises that I didn't trust the movie yet. Yeah. Did you expect him to be such a good slap? Am I, I don't want to be insulting. I just don't know of enough. I, it's Gunkata, but they're essentially, what are they? Like, what, how would you explain this to someone who has not, never watched this final fight between I, I DuPont would, and Preston? I would describe it as um, a, a gun spar. A gun spar? Oh. Because like, when you're sparring, you're kind of like doing doing the quick jabs and stuff, but you can, can kind of get into like a rhythm when you're training. You're a boxer. You know this. Yeah. But, you know, you kind of do the rhythm. Boom, 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 like all the, And that's kind of what it looked like just with the guns. They're very good at shooting marble. Uh, what, what do you call it? The the poles around the room, the, the support beams. Yeah. They shot the living daylights out of those. Absolutely, they did. And you're right. It's like a sparring. You know when you have that, you know, like the Bruce Lee movies where they have the the wooden structure with the poles that stick out and they're kind of doing the different maneuvers on them? Yep. It's just that with guns. Exactly. Exactly. That's all it was. But it looked great. How, how did DuPont have time to train like this? I think that that's all he does all day. He just trains, DuPont? Yeah. He's like that James Bond villain that never actually actually fights anybody but trains for it all day long. Yeah. And then... What else is he, he going to do? It's so dastardly that he has beautiful art in his office, too. So, again, the finale of this movie where, like, everybody up there had emotions and the art and they were they were living. There was such hypocrisy mm-hmm. that because a villain that believes what he's preaching, like M. Bison in Street Fighter, believed what he was preaching. He and did. so you, you, you say, yeah, he's the villain, but at least he's committed. These guys were the villain and they did not believe they were preaching for even a second because they wanted the art. They wanted the feelings. They loved everything. They just didn't want it for anybody else. It wasn't, it wasn't enough, Mark, that I had a new toy. I do. I wanted you to have none. Yeah. They're just such jerks. Yeah. And I love though that I love, there's a couple things I liked. And remember when Brant and Preston are training and he says to Christian Bale, you're always practicing. And then he's like, that's what makes you the best. And he goes, maybe I'm just better. <laughs> that's yeah. his response. He was just better than yeah. Brandt. And I like that confidence in him. He just steamrolled him. That's well, the I, thing. He, he was never in jeopardy. Never. And, was... and, and you know what? I like that about a hero. Mm-hmm. You know, um, when you establish – and that's, that's kind of the, the, uh, the, the challenge of a good action movie is you, you put Van Damme in a movie in, in the 80s. And the first act, you're establishing as like the baddest fighter on the planet. And then the second act, you're introducing someone who makes him look like trash. <laughs> and then the third act is him overcoming that obstacle. Yes. But in this movie, it was like we established him as like the best fighter in the land. Act two is like he's now feeling things. And act three is like we are confirming he's the best fighter in the land. <laughs> and even says it to people. He's like, I'm just better. So I guess in a lot of ways, people might not like that because there's no heroes journey so van damme and kickboxer see his brother gets hurt he goes through the training then he beats up the guy he overcomes odds this one's just christian bale killing jerks but again the the hero's journey wasn't a physical one in this movie it was an emotional yeah he's getting he's overcoming the emotional thing and then that scene with his son where he's like how long and he's like since mom died yeah and he's like and your sister and he's like of course and so it's this whole thing of like his kids were so aware of what was going on that they were willing to like be testing their dad at all, but they couldn't trust their dad. 
And that's an awful thing. So that, for me, that was like a heart-wrenching moment. But that was his journey was becoming free to feel again, not the emotional, not the, the physical, I need to be the best fighter. It's I need to be a, the best feeler. Yeah. No, I, I, I got to say, I at first I'm like, man, this kid's a jerk. And then when the kid did that, it made me so happy. So there are neat human touches. Mm -hmm. And they also surrounded Bale with some excellent actors in this film. This, this movie was such a sleeper and such just like talent harvest sean bean when he gets killed so good yeah tread lightly man that made me so sad yeah no yep. it, it's it was a real and again i think this is one of those things where small budget writer director and then like a committed cast all at the right time came together and created this kind of like beautiful little movie mm -hmm. with so i don't know if you remember this when i put up on facebook what final fight should we talk about people mm -hmm. wanted this one a lot of people wanted this one. So why do you think people wanted this one? What do you think it is about this film? Is it, it's, it's a cult classic, right? They didn't release it in theaters because they already made a profit on – it's $10 million to make. They made a profit. So I saw yeah. it in, in a small Toronto theater after it came out on DVD. Oh, wow. Yeah, so there's this little, like, artsy theater that would, like, put things – like, special – it was, like, $4 to go see it. The Princess, Princess Cinema or whatever it was called. And so I got to see it in the theater, and that's why I found out about it. But I think it's a twofold thing, Mark. I think first off, it's just, it's just a great final fight. It's just a great action. But I also think there's something there's something cool about knowing something that nobody that isn't mainstream. Yeah. Like nine out of ten people you talk to, you could live, and they're like, "Oh, what are you talking about?" So, and I think there, yeah. there's something about like, ah, this is this is like our secret code. You know what I mean? You know, back in the day before the internet, and you like you had a movie. Or you came across a VHS and like no one else knew about it, and then like you and your friends had this like, yeah, like we know about this, but no one else. There was something cool about that, and I think like sleeper movies like this are kind of filling that niche right now. Do you think that nine out of ten people don't know about it, but that one person's equilibrium, dude? That they they just say, oh, that scene with Preston and Brant where he slices his face off. I mean, that's all right. So we talked about the final fight, but do you think the surprise? Knowing, I think ex everything what you said is perfect. It's it's a community of us, right. and we well, love this I, movie. I tested you in like our third or fourth podcast when we talked. We had made reference to um, Underworld, and I said I don't remember, but I said yeah, they stole the face slice from Equilibrium. Oh, when Bill Nye got face sliced. Right, and then you said something about like yeah, well that was he he must have gone to cleric school, and I was like okay, Mark and I are on the same page. <laughs> best friends? <laughs> Do we just best become friends. best friends? <laughs> yeah, because. Listen, man, I, I borrowed this DVD from someone who borrowed it from someone. Right. Uh, if someone would have been next to me in my home when the face slice happened, I would have picked somebody up and ran around my house with them. Yeah, it was so good. And can, this is going to be crazy. So I hadn't watched this movie in a while. I totally forgot about the slap fight at the end. Well, because your mind goes face slice. Yeah, it's I, I legit didn't remember it. I remembered everything leading up to it and after. So maybe I was jumping up and down. And then I just maybe lost track of the slap fight. I did not remember that at all. And I was a little let down by it. But I think because of the the budgetary restraints and all that, I think they had to do what they had to do because the fight with Tay Diggs was supposed to be longer. So maybe they stretched out the fight longer with DuPont. Right. And they just they had a very limited shooting schedule. So I mean you can't expect something super epic, but yeah, it, it's just hard. It, it keeps I keep feeling it feels hard to get worked up to the DuPont kill, but I think it ends beautifully. And I kind of love that. He's like, is it really worth the plot, the price? And then Christian Bale says, I pay it gladly. And he kills right. the guy. And then he walks out to a better world. 
it's going to, yeah. I think it's going to be a better world. So hundred percent. It's a very optimistic ending and it's just, man, I got, you know, I just got to tell you, and, and you've, we've said it eight times. So I love just how tough Bale is. And I get annoyed with movies nowadays. And we're going to be talk, we're talking about Hobbs and Shaw soon. I love that film and it's purposely goofy. But in these movies where you have these very large men steamrolling people, it's kind of a, it's annoying. It feels more like an ego thing. But mm -hmm. in this movie, it seems more like a character thing. Yeah. And again, he's, he's doing it emotionless. He has the moral compass of a villain for the whole first three quarters of the movie. Yeah. Because he's going on no emotion, right? Mm -hmm. And so he's struggling with that. How do I, do I embrace my humanity the whole time? Watching him with that puppy, though, he's like, I'm going to take it for testing. <laughs> oh, yeah, I know. Like, that, it was so tense. And they're like, don't look, don't, look in the, don't look in the trunk. Don't look in the trunk. And it, like, they built the suspense in that scene so well. And then after, remember, I, there's a big gunfight going on, and he sees these guys who feel. And he's like, let's get out of here. He's like, I'm, we're not going to trust you. He's like, come on. They're like, no, you're going to shoot us in the back. He's like, come on. And they're like, no. I'm like, just go with Christian Bale. <laughs> right, I got yeah. So I was like, God. I, so I found myself really invested watching this film again. And then the face slice happens, and I picked up my wife and ran around the house with her. So and I think this this film can be summed up as it's a – it's a dystopian kind of that Marxist anti-societal story disguised as a high action movie. Yeah, I, I would say so. So then you get you get your cake and eat it too. Yeah, I want to watch it, this it, in Gattaca back to back. Oh, Gattaca's so good. So good. Well, this was fun, man. Thanks for joining me for this final fight. I'm glad that we got to talk about Equilibrium. I mean, this was oh, man. I, I love this movie. <laughs> no, so Equilibrium and Snowpiercer are my. It'd be a perfect movie night. Oh, ooh, that'd be a great movie night. Yeah. Get some bugs, eat them. Imagine, imagine those two things were happening simultaneously in the same universe. I, I just did. I just, I'm gonna write a book about it. So the southern hemisphere is all frozen, and the train's going around. But then in the northern hemisphere, where there it's warmer, Equilibrium's happening. I could see it. Cause oh, that'd be amazing. I want I want Tilda Swinton and Dupont to hang out. That'd be interesting, right? Can there be shoe can you, throwing? There has to be. It's part of the the shoe kata. <laughs> all right, so all right, so you'd have the mom from Hobbs and Shaw. You'd have the guy from Awesome Powers, International Man of Mystery. This movie, we're gonna have to make that up and just talk about it one day. I'm in. All right, this is good. Well, thank you for joining me. So for Mark Hoffmeyer and for Adam Hodgins, this is Final Fights. We'll see you next week.